welcome on the podcast, Alex Olin, a member of the East Asian Super League. We call it of a team, an organization, but on this pod as a basketball fan. Hi, Alex. Hey, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to join the podcast. Now, my first question, because we've talked before and you yourself are something of a platform person who uses your voice to talk about the game of basketball like me. So what other media appearances have you been on? Yeah, yeah, I I am a platform person. Um, I mean, this is this is how our generation, millennials, young kids are are communicating now. You know, people you communicate basically through Instagram and through Clubhouse and through all these other different platforms. Now, I myself haven't been on a ton of different media appearances. Um, something East Asia Super League is doing now is we've started our own Clubhouse room. Uh, you can find it on East Asia Super League. We've been hosting these weekly, multiple times per week. We're getting some of the best ballers from around the region. This week, we got Andrew Nicholson, former NBA guy, Canadian national team, CBA star, averaged 22 points, six boards this year, and shot, I think, over 45% from three. Um, last week, we had Doug Creighton, Jen Howell from you know the SBL, looking to get a Pew League guy soon. Um, we've had stars from B League, from PBA, from um, KBL as well. And so that's been the majority of my media appearances, if you can call it that. Well, you're avoiding one of the bigger ones that I'm very familiar with is a broadcasting too, huh? Oh, yes, I have. I am nowhere near your level of broadcasting. Come on. And please do not um, <laughs> bring that, that up clip with your audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I did do broadcasting in, in 2017. Our first event for East Asia Super League. Um, yeah, so I, I did do some English broadcasting. Um, I don't let a lot of people know about it, though. You didn't have to tell <laughs> us the year, Alex. So that's on you here. All right, well, we'll branch off to the other basketball topics, but we're talking about the Plus League. So the finals between the Taipei Fubon Braves and the Formosa Taishin Dreamers right now tied at one apiece after their first two in Taipei. So, Alex, you were at game one and watched game two on TV. What are your highlights from the series so far? Yeah, um, game one and game two, both really exciting. Game one, especially um, being able to be there and see it. Uh, this kind of reminds me of like an underdog story with the Formosa Taishin Dreamers and Fubon Braves. And I thought Coach Kyle Julius even had a funny uh, Instagram caption after the game. He said it's a David versus Goliath and we got a lot of stones. <laughs> um, so I, I loved game one, saw like, you know, these guys, Yang Jingming put the team on his back, come up with the triple doubles, mm -hmm. Stefan Hicks with 42 plus points. And he just looked insane the whole game. They really played their game and they, they made a lot of fast, fast break points. Um, they played really fast. They didn't let the Braves or the Braves didn't slow it down and go to Zaitsev in the post. They did mm -hmm. it at some points, but they didn't, they didn't keep doing that. And then game two, I think we saw the Braves kind of get back to their game. They hadn't played in like four to five weeks, right? So they were maybe a little bit out of game shape or maybe just not 100% expecting to play uh, a fast-paced game like that. Um, they got back to their game. Michael Singletary stood up. The domestic MVP, Jet Chong, went crazy, had a great, uh, had a great game. I loved seeing... His moment, I think it was in the second quarter when he almost got an and one. Oh, but no. The, uh, <laughs> the, the Lee up. Yeah, Lee Mengxue, right? He went up and he and he hit the uh, he hit the rim. 
So he gets called for offensive goaltending. You just see Jet there, like slamming his <laughs> slamming his hand on the ground. He's like, "What are you doing, taking points away from me?" And at that point, you just knew, like, okay, they're gonna they're about to win, like big time, because Jet is is on fire. Michael Singletary's on fire. Like these guys want the win. They're real pissed that they lost game one. Uh, you know, it, it didn't look like there was any chance for the Dreamers after quarter one. Yeah, and that second game, game one, yeah. Nothing ill intentioned, but like everyone would say, Jet plays the best when he's up against Anthony Tucker, just like we saw in the opening game of the season. No Anthony yeah. Tucker game one and kind of felt that the balloon had let out a little air. Game two, Anthony Tucker registered, not Jaron Young. And of course, they like each other. They're all right. They're friends. They're former teammates. It's just he just Jet just turns his on when he sees Anthony Tucker in front of him. Funny phenomenon yeah. that players have in their own heads. Right. I, well, I mean, I think that comes with like guys who excel when they get to go up against really good competition mm-hmm. and, you know, iron sharpens iron. And I think Jet and Anthony are both super competitive guys who love scoring and playing against the best of the best who don't want it any other way. And that when they get to do it in front of a huge crowd, like they get to in, you know, hooping Tiguan in, in Taipei in front of 7,000 people, it's like, you know, both those guys love it. All right, let's pull back a little bit. In both games, Julius played 10 guys for the Dreamers on the floor. Now, despite the game two fatigue when they lost by 20 points, the guys who did get on did look a little bit more like a team in playing shape compared to their Braves counterpart. The Dreamers did have to slug it out against the Pilots, but getting a lot more guys in the rotation. So credit to them for getting ready and being ready and pulling out a game. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, they, they look, they look like they're in good shape. They look like they're rallying behind a couple of guys like young G mean, Stephen Hicks. They had the kid in game one who stepped up with that huge shot. I think it was Jun- Jay Chen. Chen. Yeah. Jay Chen. Jun Jie. Jun Jie, right there. Okay. There's his Chinese name, but man, the, the audacity of that kid to shoot a three, I think they were, were they down one at that point with like 30 seconds left or were they up one? I believe they were, well, I have to watch that back too, but it was either. close. And so it was, it was an early shot too in the offense. I remember that he got either, a screen. Yeah. He just took a side dribble and then let it fly. He gets a screen, I think from Amigo and you're like, okay, he's going to pass it back to Amigo. It's going to be Amigo shot. And he takes the shot and you're like, oh my God. With all the hit, confidence in the it. world. Yeah. Jay Chen's all been the confidence in the world. Jay Chen is a guy that the dreamers and fans were kind of looking forward to seeing coming back from the States but not having too much opportunity during the regular season. And um, finally got 18 points against the Braves. We mentioned that on the broadcast and then two games in a row in double digits. So good on him um, stepping up in game one, especially knocking down the big shot late in the game. The dreamers definitely trusted the big topic out of game one is Jaron Young, not playing in the second half. And they've had to play with two little guards and Jay Chen was not a problem for them. And in fact, a huge bonus. So good on that. Now, Looking on the Braves side, I see the numbers and I have a hard time believing that the Braves would lose a game 109 points, 32 assists and 60 rebounds and coming away with the L. Now, on the other hand, the Dreamers scored 114, which is the highest playoff single game high score, but not exceptional three point shooting and on the box score, only seven fast break points. But as we know, a lot of like earlier steals and leak out points. So that Braves performance, kind of what you expect out of a team who's been sitting for a while. Right. Did, did the Braves really have 60 rebounds? They had 60 they, rebounds. That's how that's, that's crazy incredible. the game was. Because I think the Dreamers probably had like 30. Yeah. Right? There were uh, no, 51. 51. 
51. Wow. Yeah, it was within single digits. So that game was so high pace. Yeah. What I I remember the Braves down on the, they got so many offensive rebounds. They did. And Zaitsev have got so many. Um, They got a lot of second chance shots. They just couldn't knock down shots. They just Mm -hmm. had one of those nights where they, they just couldn't knock down shots. Maybe the rim was a little off or something for them, but they just, they just they just couldn't knock them down. They still played they still played a really good game. This is again like kind of that underdog mentality, and I think mm-hmm. Coach Julius is pumping his team up with this too. Of like when when a bunch of people or even everybody is telling you guys like you guys aren't going to win, that's something that can really fuel a team. And you saw like Amigo was playing crazy. Stephen Hicks was playing crazy. Jay Chun is playing crazy. Like he's got these guys rallied up. These guys really want to win. They do. And they'll have a chance when they head back. Now, we mentioned before Anthony Tucker wasn't even actually looking for a shot in the second game. Of course, a lot made of how the Braves play him on defense and keep things tight and make it hard. But he was seven for 11. Great accuracy. Intent on finding his teammates with 10 assists. I think uh, seven of them in the second half. But it could have been more if they made their shots around him. Maybe making the game from 20 to 10 to who knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Anthony Tucker's, I, I, I love his game. Um, I think he comes from a basketball family, and you can tell he gets, he's really good at getting guys involved. I actually have, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up my scouting report. On, oh, on, very on, good. On Anthony hey. Tucker. Um, That's what we have you for. And, and his words. And I think you told me this. He called himself best point guard or best guard or plus league. Probably is. He's got comprehensive experience in Asia and understands the way teams like to play. Extremely creative, super talented with the ball in his hands, smooth and crafty ball handling. Mm-hmm. He can create his own shot at will in the league despite lack of explosiveness. He's not a guy who like blows by you constantly, right? Mm-hmm. And he's almost like nonchalant with the way he just dribbles up and down the court and can break your ankles. He can score in a variety of ways, great timing and court vision, has become a very good shooter from mid and long range, creative and prolific passer, constant assist threat that opens up the floor for his scoring. Uh, guys are always scared he's going to be passing it to someone. Excellent vision and transition can score or facilitate off pick and roll sets extensively. Most of the time needs the ball in his hands to produce though. That could also be a team thing. They don't run him off of a, a lot of back screen back door, or back doors or a lot of screens. Um, but he's rather streaky in his production at times, never been a great defender or a super physical player, mostly, mostly focused on his offensive talent, but Pretty good size for his position. He's 193 centimeters. And a good length. rebounder, for sure. And a good rebounder. Yeah. And he seems like he's he seems like he's pretty humble. He's he's got great great timing. Um, seems like he takes care of his body and has pretty good habits. Uh, oh, so yeah. yeah, it seems like it seems like a really good teammate too. Also a really good media personality. He is among the we kind of started a chat among like media people outside of Taiwan who are who keep an eye on the plus league. They love Anthony Tucker. He's been on podcasts. He's been on articles. He also, I mean, he doesn't, he's not afraid to get him, you know, his opinions, his word out there too, which is awesome for, for the likes of us, of course. Yeah. Good for him. (laughs) I, I, yeah, he needs his own show. Uh, You got to have him on the podcast. Oh, that, that, that's so much pressure on the Taiwanese pro ball podcast. (laughs) Let's go on to a deeper question. Josh, so your number eight for the Braves, along with Brendan Smart. They both played in one game apiece, but of course, right. not such a great showing in up and down regular season as well. It's kind of perceived that they have so far away from their ceilings, but 
it's kind of hard to develop those guys. One on a team with so many veterans who could help them, but also take away from their playing time. That's like coaches make their money really is developing guys like that who who have incredible talent, but haven't shown enough quite yet. And to their credit, have made it to the finals, but we'll still see as we expect a long career out of them, right? So, yeah, yeah, th- these are two guys, and you know, just uh, to be perfectly candid, I haven't spent enough time watching. Oh them, yes, uh, well, and maybe playing. thinking about things also- overall in basketball in Asia and across the world. How do you develop guys who might take a few years to get there? Right. Yeah. So that is, as you so eloquently put it, that is where coaches make their money. Right. And, <laughs> and you got to find ways to, to get these guys playing time. You got to find ways to develop new ways to use these guys. And you also got to be okay with, with them making some mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Brent, Brandon Smart made some mistakes in game one, but uh, coach kept him in there at times. Um, took him out eventually, but he kept him, kept him in there even after some mistakes. And that's, and that's okay. Cause mm-hmm. eventually this is like a long-term player who's got a huge ceiling, right? He's super athletic. Super. I saw him, saw him doing mm-hmm. like windmill dunks and warm up and look super athletic. You're going to find different ways to use him. He's, he's a little bit raw and you could tell he's a little bit nervous. Maybe he hasn't been on like a game at this stage yet. Um, and Josh Cho, Cho Guayu, right. Um, this is this is Chinese name. He's a guy that mm-hmm. um, we actually had for like one of our East Asia Super League top picks for upcoming big men um, because of his his potential. Mm. And I know he's really good on both sides of the ball and yep. has a way, has a ways to develop, but definitely has that potential. That's so funny. Is it big man as in he's supposed to play like a big position? Because yeah, he's right now. <laughs> The Braves are developing him as somebody who would be a ball handler a lot of times. He had like 10 assists in one game. Was it 10, 11 assists? Yeah. Oh, maybe and... maybe it was top guards and I'm mistaken. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, maybe pe- considering like one night, Joe is a little bit more than 190. People might think of that as like a number four position for Taiwanese players. So <laughs> he's got he... guys like Winston to take after. Right. Oh, so they're developing him as like uh, as a combo guard or as a swingman? That is a good question. I believe more of a, probably more of a combo guard. Okay. Okay. He'll handle sometimes and he'll, he'll defend and not expected to score too much. I mean, we should ask Michael Singletary that Michael Singletary has always got Josh around at practices. It I'm told. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see the, that's, that's another thing too, is, is learning from those veteran players and the import players. Mm-hmm. I know that Michael Singletary is good with the young guys and I've seen Chuck Charles Garcia with uh, Joe Shangjun. Yeah, is always is like really loves to to push him in practice and mm-hmm. and work with him. And you know, I've seen his comments on like his Instagram, like you're the future kid. So and and that guy has shown tons of potential to be a really good big man in the league. Oh yeah, started in the series. Not even that surprising when he gets to be in the starting uh, five even in the finals, like show great hands and good mobility. And he's willing to Chuck always points out he's willing to fight and takes his lumps um, yeah. on the inside. Cause so good for him. Just don't touch the rim when jets getting in. Air oh no, ball. don't do that. Ah, oh, that's <laughs> somehow a veteran mistake by <laughs> been with the Braves for a number of years. Well, all right. Well, we're talking about players on a lighter note. Could you surprise me with a player in the plus league that is popular outside of Taiwan? You probably have a better handle of that than I do. 
Oh, play okay. So player in the plus league who's popular outside of Taiwan. Actually, a lot of um just plus league players and highlights and games and news has been getting a lot of attention just because it, it's a brand new league. It's been super successful its first year, and mm-hmm. it's also been super competitive. Yeah. Um, it's been really good basketball. I mean, some guys off the top of my head that that have gotten a lot of attention, been really popular is, of course, Beast, Lin Jijie. Oh, yeah. He's really popular. His style of play, like anywhere, people love watching his style of play. Mm-hmm. And that's why univer- basketball can be a universal language because people see that and they're like, this guy's a baller. Um, Oscar Cow's another guy. Gao Guohao, of course. Mm, of course. His style, what, how he plays, you know, his actions after he hits a shot. You know, his, his like, you know, when he's signaling to people, come get me. He's awesome. Um, who's some other guys? I mean, Devon Reed and Kadeem Jack had those had some monster slams that have been popular. Shijing Yao has been popular. He had a he had a great season. Um, Amigo, Young Jingmin is popular. Some of the big names, but uh um, you know, we've been trying to trying to showcase more of the young players too. And I think the young players are coming up. Well, that's so good to hear. It's got the competition right now and got the future on the up and up. Now, let's look abroad now. That's probably your expertise. Of course, you've done a nice job talking about the plus league and the finals, of course. Now, this might be a little bit of a challenge for you. Like, what would you give as one-line descriptions for other basketball leagues in the region? I myself have not paid that much attention until returning back to Taiwan. So how would you describe them? Someone like me, say, uh, a year ago. Hey, so... So you know me, and you know I'm terrible with with clear and concise one line descriptions. No. <laughs> but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> with B League, uh, I would describe them as you know four years old, going on forty, um, oh, because they're yeah. they're like a rebranded league, right? And they kind of restarted, um, you know, a few years back. I think 2016. I believe and that's correct. They're so well organized. Um, they're so well run. They're so well devoted to their craft and making sure that, you know, Japanese fans and now fans internationally, because they're doing, you know, English broadcasts, um, they're, they're doing things in, in international, on international platforms now, um, on delivering the best product to their fans. So mm-hmm. that, that's my one line description. I, I could go on for ages about B-League though. Um <laughs> KBL and maybe maybe a separate separate podcast about that. KBL is super good sound technical basketball. Ooh, um, yep. We last event in 2019 with them, they had uh, Soul SK Knights went on a run. They played the Liaoning Flying Leopards with Lance Stevenson and Salah Mejri, two really good NBA players. Um, Gao Shiyan. Uh, who are some other guys on, on the Liaoning team, which is now the CBA runners up, you know, this year. And they, they lost to them 83, 82. So a super sound technical team um, that reminds me of like new England Patriots. It's just do your job. You know, mm. they, they know what their, their roles are. They do them. Um, PBA is fast, exciting, probably the most diehard fans in the world i mean pba fans believable totally believable are crazy and and in the best way possible they're such good fans they got such a great fan base their players are so into into their fans also i remember we had them in macau and it's like random people would come up to them on the street and these guys might have just played a game or 
you know, just got done with practice and they'll go and take photos with the fans. It's, it's awesome. Um, so really you can tell why they have such a devoted fan base because the players treat them like, treat them like royalty, um, which <laughs> is great to see. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. Um, then CBA is uh, what, what else to say about CBA? This isn't a one-liner again, sorry, but, but CBA is now recruiting some of the best imports in the world outside of the nba and they on the regular basis have chinese guards chinese big men going up against these guys mm-hmm. and beating them right on on a pretty mm-hmm. consistent basis now so they've got they've now got a number of players who are stars in in their own right and who can run teams who have these millions of fans um it's become this this league that you know, has this country that now has 300 million, 400 million plus basketball fans. And it's now become this league that's, that's delivering the type of basketball that their fans are craving. Wow. That's so beautiful. Pretty concise. I'll give you credit for that. Not, not uh, bad. <laughs> it is yeah. not an easy task. We are talking about very different distinct leagues and a lot of different kind of players and a lot of different kind of teams and management. And of course the league offices, of course, me, myself, I, a league person. I, 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 I tried my best, Ryan. I tried my best. But P League Plus, best English broadcast. Oh, wow. Well, of course. I'm so proud of that. All right. Well, you kind of already mentioned it, but maybe for our audience who are kind of curious about these leagues, give them maybe some teams that are easy to root for. We've got fun players, fun teams, not necessarily got teams that have, I mean, you could because everyone likes winning. Winning teams are also considered. What are some fun teams to root for across the region? Okay, so across the region, outside of Plus League, um, I really love watching the Chiba Jets and Yuki Togashi. Um, Might be a little biased because they won our first ever event ever (laughs) in 2017. But this guy is like, he's literally, I think he's going to be listed at like 175 centimeters. He's more like Aji's height, 173. Mm -hmm. Just don't tell anyone. But uh (laughs) He's so fast and so he's got a floater. He's got a three point. He can break guys ankles. He's so fun to watch. And, um, you know, if if you ask Japanese fans, he's the best guard in the region. If you ask Filipino fans, they'll say Terrence Romeo and San Miguel Beerman are super fun to watch because of that. If you ask CBA fans, they're going to say Guaylun or Huming Xuan. Um, so the CBA, I love watching Liaoning's great to watch and Guangdong is great to watch. That was just the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with Sonny Weems a lot, so I'm Guangdong biased. Um, and, and, and they just won, but they have, they have some great guards there too. And Hu Mingxuan, Shu Jie, Zhao Rei, who, um, who just went up against Guailin and Zhao Jiwei for Liaoning. And everyone's going to say those are the two best guard or the best backcourt in the region. But Guangdong's backcourt, back whose kids are like, I think they're literally 20 years old. They're 20 and 21 and 24. Just beat those guys, in my opinion. Um, hmm. So that was that was really, really fun to watch and root for. All right. Thanks a lot for that. Well, before we finish off, we got to also make sure we talk about your involvement with basketball in the East Asian Super League. So oh, for those who don't know, what's kind of going on and how does the framework fit? for basketball in Asia. Yeah. So with East Asia Super League, we're trying to build a league platform that's going to bring the best of the best 
club teams for the first time ever club teams playing an international competition. Um, we've had events before where we've mm-hmm. had these, these events in Macau in 2017, 2018, 2019. I think people know how last year went. So we weren't able to have it in 2020. Um, but we're looking to, to bring this league platform together where teams can get better and face off and fans can see their favorite teams against international competition um, for the first time ever, not just on a national team level. Uh, so all these teams that I was just talking about, you know, with Liaoning and Guangdong and Seoul SK and Fubon Braves versus Taishin Dreamers, you know, wouldn't it be so cool to see these guys go up against each other in a league format against the international teams? Um, that So that's essentially the platform. Sorry, again, not a one-liner. <laughs> well, I wasn't asking for a one-liner. You... <laughs> This is your profession after all. Now, it's comparable to international club competitions, say, a lot of times in Europe, no matter if it's basketball or football, right? That's how people can think of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, comparable to those platforms, but basketball-focused and and Asia-focused. All right, that's so awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Alex, for being on the pod. I think that's a good place to end it. We'll catch up with you in the future along the lines, but... Until then, remind the fans that the next Plus League Finals games will be this Thursday. Alex, you'll be watching, right? Yes, sir. Definitely be watching. All right. Tune in to the English broadcast. Oh, yes. Very good. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. We'll see you. Yeah, thank you, Ryan.